right, kids, here's a rundown on all the events that we have going on. Next seminar is up August 12th through the 14th. That one sold, half sold out. Then after that, October 14th through the 16th. Then December 9th through the 11th. For training camps coming up, we do have a coaching development camp on the list. That's October 1st, covering how to coach the squat. That'll be in Columbus, Ohio at Starting Strength Columbus. Then we have a self-sufficient lifter camp in Wichita Falls on September 10th, covering the squat, the press, and the deadlift. We also have a deadlift and power clean camp August 20th in Indianapolis. And then we have a squat and deadlift camp in Beaverton, Oregon on August 27th at Starting Strength Beaverton. That's everything going on with regard to Starting Strength Gym events. Speaking of Starting Strength Gyms, we are still looking for talent. So if you're interested in becoming a coach or just want to find out more about the process, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com. Check out the coaching tab, fill out the form, get on a call with Ina so she can tell you what's the what, what opportunities we have coming up as there are plenty since coaches are going to be the ones that fuel our growth. So for more information on anything related to Starting Strength Gyms, head over to www.startingstrengthgyms.com and check us out. Mildly entertaining, somewhat obscure guests, relatively interesting topics, semi-professional production quality, reasonably well-informed commentary, a great value for the money, hundreds of fans all around the world. It's the Starting Strength Gyms podcast with your host, Ray Gillenwater. All right, we're here today with Nick Delgadillo. For those of you that are interested in learning more about the behind the scenes of the Asgard Company and starting strength gyms, I thought this might be interesting for you. This is uh, Nick works day to day with Rip and Steph and the infamous Bree and Rusty. So I thought today would be good just to say hello to Nick and give you guys some insight into what goes on behind the scenes. So Nick, my first question for you is, have you seen the 1999 Mike Judge Masterpiece Office Space? Absolutely, yeah. So what what would you say you do here? <laughs> uh, well, office space was uh, every other job I've ever had. <laughs> Definitely not the office space situation. Mm-hmm. Who who is who would be Rip in that in that movie? I think Rip's one of a kind, man. I don't. Think... I could tell you for sure that Rusty would be the stapler guy. I don't remember his name. Milton was it? Milton. It <laughs> <laughs> might have been Milton. That was a good character. The spin line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, who's Bree? I know who Ben is. Ben's the guy that uh, Ben's the main the character. Neighbor. No, Ben's. Oh, the main <laughs> character. <laughs> no, Zach's the neighbor. What's Zach... it? Uh, what, what would you do with a million dollars? Tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I'm, I am curious how. How the hell? I don't even really understand what you do because you do a lot. Because Nick runs, I guess Nick's technically a consultant for Rip and Steph, and he does a lot of stuff for for them. Hopefully, you can list out a few of those things. And then for the gyms companies, you you guys already know he runs uh, the gyms once they're open. So as soon as a franchise owner opens a gym, it's Nick's responsibility to make sure they they're successful. Essentially, coaching standards, quality standards, customer experience, all that stuff. So it's it's a big job in itself, and then you're doing that on top of uh, on top of all the stuff you do for the Asgard, and you're you just became a shooting instructor, and you you're doing all kinds of shit. So I don't know how you pack it all in a day, but I'd I'd love to hear about it. Uh, well, I don't. I'm constantly behind, um, constantly holding people off on stuff. So that's the that's the the ugly truth behind it. But um, 
Well, when, when I originally moved here, it's been seven years, um, seven years last February. So when I originally moved to Wichita Falls, um, I uh, came essentially just to do the uh, shipping and customer service stuff for the store. So I was in the warehouse um, shipping out people's orders uh, and then answering any of the customer service emails. And I did a, a couple of other things, you know, just kind of helping out and everything. And then you were uh, from there. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there things, you know, you know, we just, it's a small, small crew, right? So we just started doing stuff and, um, a lot of the things that I had been in, interested in and involved in, I, uh, got to start doing, uh, more regularly, like, uh, taking pictures, doing videos, you know, we started, uh, I, I saw the first Ask Rip video was like in 2015, so that was not long after I got here. So uh, you can kind of see the progression of the the money that we've spent on videos and gear and stuff like that over the last seven years. So yeah, I mean, it's just been as things come up, we just someone someone has to do them right, and we just decide who who if we can do it, who's going to do it, and then uh, and then it gets done. But everything we do here is very. Uh, it's uh, every everybody's doing what they what they can, right? So, the the podcast is um, it's it's all hands. You know, everybody's everybody's there for every podcast. Uh, so right now, I mean, I help I help Bree out. I help Rusty out. Bree is uh, doing all of the stuff that I was doing originally, plus a bunch of other stuff. Uh, she's pretty busy herself nowadays, and then uh, Rusty does the video editing. So whenever he needs help, I help him out. Uh, but in general, all that kind of day-to-day -day stuff, um, that I was doing way back, I'm not really doing much anymore. It's a lot of emailing, a lot of chasing stuff down, uh, getting management coaches. Shit. Yeah. Getting coaches signed up for the, their listings and all, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah. So you, you, um, you had kind of a cool story when you came over to Wichita Falls that I want you to share if, if you'd like to about uh, when the call came in from Rip and how long it took you to decide and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, it was uh, it was New Year's Eve of 2014. Yeah, because 2015 is when we came over. So it was New Year's Eve. Uh, and, you know, Rip, Rip is the only person who's going to call somebody on New Year's Eve with something like this. But was it uh, at he, midnight, he, by the way, or he, he likes Well, he used to like later calls. Nowadays, it's not as bad, but it used to be like all hours of the night you know it wasn't it wasn't that late it was probably it, it wasn't close to midnight or anything but it, it was it was uh seven or something like that seven or eight at night um like again outside of normal business hours you know mm -hmm. <laughs> but that that was relatively early for him because i know he he uh he regularly used to call people at 11 or 12 at night or, or later he's changed um, man <clears throat> he, he called me on a saturday a couple weeks back and there was something with a YouTube video that we needed an answer on. I was like, you want me to call Bree? And he goes, no, it's late on a Saturday. I was like, man. That's weird. You've, uh, <laughs> you're, you're reformed. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Baker's got some cool stories about uh, collaborating with Rip on practical programming and, and the calls at all hours of the night and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And Andy had uh, like 5 a.m. clients. Mm -hmm. It's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was New Year's Eve, and, and basically, you know, I, I got a call from Rip, and I had probably talked to Rip in person. I, well, I talked to Rip in person a few times. Uh, I don't, I don't on the phone maybe once or twice. You know, it's not like we called each other all the time. Um, I hate talking on the phone. Um, 
you know, so I, I, I never picked up the phone and just called him out of the blue. Um, but, uh, yeah, he called and I was like, Oh shit, Ripito's calling. I wonder what's going on. So I answered the phone and he goes, uh, it, Rip doesn't say hello. He doesn't say hi or anything straight to the point. Uh, he, he goes, uh, he goes, we, we want to, we want to hire you. Um, and that's how it started. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. Um, and we talked for a couple minutes. Uh, he said, he basically said, you know, we need some help. We need some help with the, with shipping and Steph's busy and all this stuff. So I was like, all right, well, let me, uh, let me talk to Kathy and, and, you know, absolutely. I'm interested. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we pretty much decided that night we were going to do it. Um, so my parents were there. It was, it was a pretty chaotic evening. So, uh, I, I pulled her into the room and said that Rip had called and, uh, they're like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. And that was it, man. Um, now it wasn't, it wasn't out of the blue. You know I mean? The, this was 2014, end of 2014, uh, sometime around 2012, I talked to Rip and, and Steph about, uh, there was, there were conversations even that early on, on, uh, needing help and having to hire somebody around here. And I was, I was probably fifth in line. I was the only one who agreed to move and, and get done. <laughs> um, and some of the people that they had considered, um, it's probably very lucky for them that they didn't go with any of those folks. Cause, uh, it would have gone bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes just a from... special personality to handle the uh, <laughs> intelligence and the intensity of the Rip and Steph team. I mean, it's like it's... sink or swim would be an understatement. It's been great. Yeah, it's been great. But uh, yeah, so so anyway, there was some, there was a little bit of buildup. You know, I had done camps and a uh, couple of seminars up to that point. So uh, I, I mean, I, I I knew a little bit about what uh, kind of exp- what to expect and what I was getting into, um, but. Uh, yeah, two months later we were here. You know, it was funny because Rip's like, "Well, you'll give them." You know, I was like, "Well, I need to, I need to make some arrangements here before I go, right?" Because I'm, I'm running a, a warehouse. I'm, I've got, you know, twenty or so employees that I, that I'm responsible for. And I was like, "Well, I, I need to do some, prep, get some stuff taken care of here before I leave." Um, he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you, you know, you'll give them two weeks. Can you be here in uh, mid January?" And I was like, "Oh sh- no." <laughs> No, I can't. Um, I was probably going to be more like end of February, you know. So, uh, uh, my my boss, who uh, who's also uh, I've kind of lost touch with him, but um, also a friend at the time, you know, I called him up, told him what was going on. He's like, "Oh, that's great, so awesome," and we just immediately started looking for somebody to replace me. Got him hired, hired and uh, trained up, and then uh, and then I hung around for a little bit, and then moved at the end of February. So. February 2015 is when I came over. First thing Rip had me do, and he wasn't even in town. Him and Steph were somewhere. I don't remember where. Maybe at a seminar or something. I moved in, moved over the weekend, <clears throat> and uh, I somehow ended up on the roof of the gym, tarring the skylights, um, just putting tar on the skylights. And and I hadn't I hadn't seen Rip yet up to that point. Um, and then he pulled up. And then he climbs up the ladder, pokes his head up over the side of the roof. Uh, he's like, here we are. We're all Wichitans now. <laughs> and, then, and then, oh. He's uh, hazing you, basically. Was, oh, I know. For, yeah. for sure. And there, yeah. there was a, a, a guy visiting, and we went out to his house for dinner. And, uh, and I was like, you know what this motherfucker did? The first thing he does when I get here is has me go up on the roof and, and tar the roof. So we're all laughing and joking about it. And, and Rip's like chuckling. He's like, I just wanted to see <laughs> i'm glad you passed the test man you already moved and quit your job so good for you yeah no shit Fuck, man. yeah it was uh, a calculator 
I mean, we were we were closer to home, you know, home being St. Louis. So we were closer to home, and if shit went bad, you know, we just go back home, and I'd probably uh, get rehired with the guys I just left somehow, you know. So it wasn't it, it wasn't a, such a dr- dramatic and scary thing. Um, although although you know, uh, it, it, as a cross country move, you know, and and uh, so it it was a big deal for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not uproot the whole family and move somewhere but um uh, you know i always have a, a backup plan of course yeah yeah i don't consider you to be an impulsive guy you're pretty thoughtful and considered in the way you make decisions so what what was it about this opportunity that made you willing to make the decision essentially the day of oh no no question man the um the i i really enjoyed the the job i was in at the time um, I really liked what I was doing. Uh, it was in, I li- was living in Reno. I really, really liked Reno. My whole family really liked Reno, but, uh, my life was waking up at 4am, uh, and going to the gym and either coaching, either coaching or training myself, uh, getting to work at seven, seven thirty, And then, um, you know, running around doing crazy logistics stuff all day until five or five thirty. <clears throat> or more depending on what was happening and then um going back to the gym and teaching either teaching a class or or coaching people and that was that was six days a week plus saturday morning so uh it was pretty insane you know and um the the, this is uh what i wanted to do for a long time you know so it always been kind of a side hustle deal and uh i always uh pictured myself doing something like this full time so, yeah, I mean, there's just no question when the opportunity comes up, let's go. Nice. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's, it's cool to watch that happen now with people all over the country moving to different gyms and taking advantage of these coaching opportunities and kind of doing the same thing, just going forward and having faith in the brand and RIP and everything we're doing. Um, right. I've been, wanting to, I've been wanting to work with RIP in some capacity since I first did the program just because I was so blown away. Uh, there, it's not very often you come across something in life that – has such a fundamental impact on everything that affects your daily life uh, and is so clear, obvious, and provable. And um, when I read the book, I thought it made perfect sense. Really, it was an enjoyable read. Rip's a great author, and the theory was solid. And then when he did the program, as a, as a natural skeptic, I was just absolutely blown away that my skinny ass was actually putting on some muscle. Um, and, right. uh, and so I actually, I actually emailed Rip early on and asked him to come out to Asia where I was living at the time. And we were going back and forth. I thought maybe we might do a little Indonesia, Thailand, Singapore tour or something at the time, but yeah, Rip didn't, Rip didn't want to travel. So yeah, it didn't, didn't work out, but it was, it was cool. And that kind of planted the seed and built the relationship. Um, but I want to go back to you. So you, you, you guys definitely have a DIY vibe at the Asgard company. I mean, if you, people hopefully we can get Steph on someday to talk about this but if you guys were able to see all the systems that Steph has built for example and manages herself it's pretty it's pretty advanced stuff pretty intricate detailed complicated stuff and it's only possible if you have people that are motivated bright willing and able to learn and uh obviously that's ripping stuff based on just the the massive amount of information they have across so many different categories. And then you, you fit in perfectly because, um, the, the video stuff is a perfect example, right? You, you've essentially become a professional photographer, professional videographer, 
Uh, you're a producer, including audio. You and I just spent 30 minutes troubleshooting my soundboard and you know, <laughs> checking to make sure I actually plug things in. Um, it's it's just it's cool for me to work with people that that have that kind of attitude because I come from big corporate and big corporate it's like no one really has any skills other than talking it's, it's politics right so it's like oh yeah we right. need to do this thing and maybe there's some people that are sharp with strategy those people are few and far between and then it's like okay cool we need this we need to hire so and so to do this and so and so to do that for you guys it's just like we're gonna figure it out and um, man look at Starting Strength Radio I mean that is a that's my favorite show. I'm one of the producers of the show. I don't do much anymore other than help get guests and things, but I watch that show every week and I love it. I laugh my ass off and it looks awesome and it sounds awesome. And man, the, the commercial, if you go to YouTube and you type in starting strength gyms, um, what's the title of our commercial starting strength gyms. Um, If you go to the YouTube channel and you click, it's the, it's the featured video on our channel. So, um, Nick fucking made that right. I, he just grabbed the, you grabbed the, uh, the stock footage, you put together the audio, I wrote the script uh, and the storyboard and then Ripito, Ripito recorded, because he's a, a damn you know professional broadcaster in a past life. And we have right. a, the three of us, mostly you, put together a, a no shit professional quality commercial for the Jim's company. And then if you go to Starting Strength Cincinnati, there's this wrap that they have on the front of the windows because there was there was some stuff that you could see into the place and there was like a pillar and they just kind of wanted to cover up the windows and um the the window covers look awesome and it's all they your really it's all good. your photography yeah. those are your photos That's pretty cool. and then yeah. in the gyms we have these booklets that uh, explain what we do and with the exception of one photo that looks kind of yellow that i took <laughs> <laughs> you hadn't taught me about white balance at that point um the photos look i mean it's all high quality professional stuff and and the thing that's great about that is it's the only way that we could do this company bootstrapped you you right. you need millions of dollars if not 10 million plus to start a franchise company like this to hire the talent that you need to pull off everything that we've pulled off but um we've done most of it ourselves and a lot of it you've done and uh, yeah, man, that's why you're a shareholder. So thank you for that. But that's a that's sure. a long winded introduction to a question, which is essentially, what what's your what's your take on that? What's your what's different about you guys? What's your have have you thought about this at all? Is that apparent to you? What's different about the way you guys operate versus the way other companies operate and other people operate? Well, in, in general, uh, people people aren't good at doing a lot of different things. Um, you know, they're, they're marginally good at doing one thing and then they suck at pretty much everything else. Uh, and this has been, this has just been a perfect storm of, uh, of, of, of a few people, uh, of a couple of people, Rip and Steph, uh, having a very broad, uh, base of knowledge and, and, uh, just skills in so many different areas and having worked at it for years and years and years and, and, uh, and just, just created this thing. Right. So I, I, I came in late into the process, man. I, you know, it just happened that I, that I, um, have always had a lot of interests. Um, and then the things that I'm interested in, I get pretty obsessive with and I go, I go pretty deep and, um, you know, I mean, there's four, four five, six things in my life that I've, uh, that I've really gotten into. And then, um, and then I, I, I pretty much just go all in and get kind of obsessed. Um, <clears throat> and, um, and as a result of that, I think, uh, it just happened that, uh, 
I, I mean, that's probably one of the reasons that I first found starting strength. Right. And then, well, it is, it is the, one of the reasons it's probably the reason that I found starting strength and the reason that it appealed to me. And, um, and then because I have all these, these, uh, interests and all this stuff that I like to do, it just, it just seemed to be, a just a good fit. You know, I just kind of fit in, it fit in there. And then on top of that, um, you know, I, I really enjoy working with, uh, with Rip and Steph. Um, so it, it's just, it's all good. It's good all around. And then, uh, you know, I, shit, man, I could, I, I've created my own job. I can do whatever I want, you know, any idea that we come up with, um, it, it's just like, well, sure, let's do it. And then, and then here we go, we're off. And then, and then you coming in with this gyms thing, it's just a, it's just the next logical step, the next extension of all this, right? So, uh, yeah, no, absolutely, I'm, I'm completely aware, man. I mean, what, what do people charge to make a thirty minute, thirty second video, um, a, a cheap, a cheap uh, thirty second video is probably a couple grand, mm-hmm. not more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so. Uh, I'm here. I can do it. I enjoy doing it. So, uh, so let's go and let's do it. And then it's it just, you know, there's, there's, there's some, there's a lot of benefit for me too, because all this stuff that I've been really interested in for a long time, it's uh, in a lot of ways it's paying, I mean, in, in a lot of ways it's paying off, you know, finally. So it's not just, it, it's gone from being just hobbies, not just hobbies to uh, things that make me money. Right. <clears throat> so this stuff gets yeah, me so cool. fired up. I'm actually sweating a little bit right now. Um, <laughs> it's part, partly because of these studio lights and also because, um, man, all I've ever wanted to do in my career was kick as much ass as possible. And I was so frustrated to find that almost nobody feels the same way. Most people are there to collect the paycheck, put in the, the amount of work that gets them where they want to go. For most people, that's just cruise control and then go home. And then yep. here I am with you, Rip and Steph, and it's just, it's just, what is the thing that makes the most sense? Let's do that thing. Let's figure it out. And let's, let's always break it down to the first principles. Let's never be beholden by convention. Let's never do it the way everybody else is doing it just because that's the way they're doing it. Let's think it through, do it our way. And we might even be able to make it better. And that fires me up. And the, I'm glad it does because there's a part of my personality that needs that, that fuel and um, right. the, the fact that you three operate like that kept, kept me so motivated building the franchise company with you, um, especially during the times like COVID. I mean, that's the stuff that, you know, it, it, it keeps you, especially when you're working with good people that you, you want to see succeed. It is extraordinarily motivated. And I haven't had this sort of, this sort of kind of iron sharpens iron, if you want to use the cliche sort of vibe until, or, or since maybe, you know, Muay Thai fight camp days where it's just, you're surrounded by killers. Everybody wants to be the best and they'll do whatever it takes. doesn't matter. No excuses, no complaining, just fucking get it done. Um, so yeah. I, I love it. Working with you guys is, it's intense, it's inspiring. Um, it can be chaotic sometimes when a problem comes up. Uh, it's overwhelming because there's so much to do. But um, this is the most fun I've ever had at work. And the fact, just like you said, the fact that we get to kind of, I mean, we, you and I were talking the other day. I was telling you that I've got a baby on the way and I spend too much time in front of screens and my goal for next year is to spend two hours or less per day on a screen. And then you were telling me how that's just not in your future, right? And I was like, well, just dream it up. 
dream up whatever you want your day to be like. And as long as we're making money, we'll figure it out and, and make it work. And that's a that's a really cool place to be. And, and I think that you've, if I said that to you when you first met, you might be like, okay, yeah, whatever, this guy's full of shit. But I think over the past couple of years that, that uh, we've proven to each other that that's true. We can just just think through what would be ideal and then go and pursue that. And we have the audience and we have the brand and we have the skill set and we have the people and we have the drive to actually get that done and bring it to life. So right. I don't know if you feel the same way or not. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but it is, uh, it's pretty cool for me. The, the spending two hours a day on the screen thing is, um, I mean, ev everything that I do is, uh, is through uh, an internet connection and uh and a screen you know so i don't i don't necessarily see it the same way you do in terms of like the screen is draining me of my life because it's um you know it's uh it it always it always be good to do less um it just i guess be more efficient mm. is the is the uh is the way i look at it um so i don't i don't necessarily mind that too much but um but no you're you're absolutely right you know it's just we're, for the last three four years you know you're just kind of always trying to uh catch up always trying to get ahead of things always trying to uh solve problems you know and and you know in the last six months with the with the gyms with the starting strength gyms you know it's finally getting to the point where we've figured a lot of stuff out and we can actually start making things better rather than just you know we, we've spent the last three years just literally every day just figuring out shit and solving all these crazy ass problems that come up mm -hmm. and you, know, you and I both deal with it and other people on the team like Jen deal with it way, way more than we do. But, uh, that's been all of our lives for the past three years. So, so the way I look at it is the next, the next three to five years, it's just optimizing it, making it better and getting it to run smoothly, uh, and, and bringing on people that can get that done. Yeah. We've, yeah. we've built the machine and now we're optimizing the machine. It's a, it's a totally right. different, um, it's a totally different mode of operation for you business nerds out there for all three of you watching this there's this uh this concept i love called tuckman stages of organizational development so those those go from storming to forming to norming to performing um and you're you're at a various you're, you're at one of those stages at various parts of the development of a company or the development of a part of the company and um those required very different modes and they require a lot of flexibility, which is good because typically the startup team is not the team that is the in-life team. But since we're all pretty flexible and willing to learn and, and be dynamic and kind of go with the flow, I don't think that applies to us, but we'll find out. Well, yeah, we have the, we have the added uh, problem, I guess you could say of, uh, of having to maintain a, a, a extremely high standard. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so we don't we don't really have a thing that we can package up and hand off to somebody, and expect it to go well for the next uh, you know for the next however many years. So, uh, at, at least at least myself, I'll always be involved in this uh, very heavily, uh, just making sure that shit goes the way it's supposed to go, um, and that things remain the way they they are right now, or or get better, which they are. I mean, I, I think in general the the starting strength, um, the application of the starting strength method is being done better than it's ever been done at a, at a large scale just because of the the number of people that we have direct contact with in terms of developing and teaching them how to do starting strength and how to how to de deliver starting strength and how to coach starting strength mm -hmm. um you know we've never been in a better position to do that so um so yeah you know with the franchise the franchise company with the starting strength gyms it's 
it's going to take more of a uh, traditional business flavor. Uh, you know, I mean, there's going to be more people hired on. Uh, there's going to be uh, more things outsourced um, just because that's the, the, the nature of the beast. With, with the Asgard company, I don't ever see it getting uh, getting big, you know, in terms of it, it'll always be a small crew. Um, because we don't need, we don't really need to do that much. <clears throat> it wouldn't help of, you uh, if you had more people. Yeah. Yeah. It would, it, things hard. Yeah. And, and basically the Asgard company has created all the intellectual property. You guys have created the books and the DVD series and all the articles on the site and all the stuff on the forum. The program exists. It could not be better documented. The brands exist. And from my point of view, the challenge now is there's this insight that we have about how we can make our physical existence on earth better in a way that can't really be done with any other program and or approach. And now the challenge is how do we bring this to as many people as possible? And that's, that's really what the, the Jim's franchise is all about. It's about accessibility. Um, because in, right. in the old days, there, there is only a, there's a small percentage of the population that is willing to do what you and I did, which is go seek out the information, not just buy a book and read the, the, the content, but read it several times, go on, on the website, nerd out, and spend just hours upon dozens of hours educating ourselves and doing trial and error. A lot of people don't have the time for that, or that's not how they're wired, or whatever the, the reason may be, the people that are willing to do that, it's such a small percentage. And that, that, those amount of people got us to whatever, 35 million impressions per year online. Just those people. That's a, a gigantic proportion of, of the total amount of people that exist in the world that are like that. And now it's, how do you appeal to Denise in Boise? We just had a video come out on day of recording. It came out uh, today, June 13th on the YouTube channel and Denise and I sat at Starting Strength Boise and she's an ex, she's a medical doctor and worked in the field for many years and she was telling me how she discovered Starting Strength through one of our ads and then read about it and immediately clicked and made sense. She went down, was intimidated, did it anyways and she took her squat from 55 pounds to 190 in eight months and has went from 65 to 212 and a half for five I believe on her deadlift in the same amount of time and, and is reaping all the benefits. When she came into the gym uh, she was trying to solve a problem, which is I've been breaking my bones, doing the things that I like to do because I'm losing bone density. And now she does the program and she's way more resilient and her quality of life is better. And so um, that it's, it's a marketing challenge essentially. And the franchise company essentially is, is a marketing company because we're, we're just packaging up this thing that you guys have built and bringing it to people in a way that they can easily digest, easily understand, easily access, and then easily benefit from. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the way I look at it. Is that, is that aligned with what, with, uh, with the way you see things? Um, you mean in terms of how does a franchise company fit into the, the, the big picture of starting strength? And, and that, that's part of it. But the bigger question is more the Asgard company's role, because I was just, um, riffing off of your point that you guys are always going to be small. And I think the reason for that is there's not, everything's built, you know? Right. So, so yeah. now it's just a matter of how do you, how do you, um, how do you allow people to leverage that stuff to keep right to, to get it to more people while keeping the standard high? Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be on us to uh, to 
to um, give direction in terms of you know things things start going in the in, in, in the wrong way uh, just to to re-steer back you know get the ship righted and get things going back to where they where they should be and, and to keep everybody focused you know there's the there's the uh, right now all the all the most most of the gyms I mean you know this is all still fairly new so everybody's everybody's pretty much staying on task and, and delivering you know what they're supposed to be doing but I, I can you know I'm always I'm always trying to foresee the problems and see where, where things are gonna be uh, things are gonna start getting silly or or whatever but you know as this thing gets bigger and bigger we've got a hundred gyms we've got 500 coaches um, people are gonna start injecting their own shit into the into the thing and that's at some level that's okay obviously right because I've been saying this now for for half of a year uh, to to all, to gym owners and anybody I talk to about this it's like you know starting strength is is our, our job is to get people strong you know and, and starting strength is the tool it's it's just a tool right it's the best tool that we have available um, to do that uh, the principles the method the program all of those things are, are, are tools um, but what we need to have the, the next phase in our evolution in terms of the gyms and, and making good coaches is actually making good coaches so people who can take that tool and and talk to and convince and uh, integrate that with people's actual day-to-day -day lives right mm -hmm. so taking a taking a 22 year old kid and turning them into an ssc in in uh seven months is absolutely doable we've done it over and over and over again at the gyms uh taking that same kid and turn and you can't give him life experience. You can't give him, uh, you can't give him the interactions with normal older adults, you know, who have 40, 30, 40 years on him and have been through a lot of shit and are in pain and you can't give them that experience. So and you can't, you can't teach him how to talk to somebody like that. And you can't teach him how to be convincing to somebody like that just by giving him an SSC. Um, so, you know, those those people the new the new coaches who come in fresh you know have very little experience with what we're doing they're different from you and i and all the coaches that have been around for a while that were uh that found this stuff and got obsessed with it and learned it on our own and took two years you know coaching on the side and then went and did the certification and passed it that's a that's a different um process than somebody who signs up as an apprentice at a gym and then a, half a year later is now an SSC, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so that's a that's good and it's also a problem. Uh, it's a problem because they don't they they lack the interpersonal experience that a really really good coach requires. Mm -hmm. So the next thing for us is how do we how do we take all those lessons that we've learned and pass them on to uh, to new coaches uh, and get them good. Now the advantage is that these these guys are going to be seeing. You know, hundreds, hundred people uh, on a regular basis in the gym, and we've seen lots of reps. So they'll get that they'll get that education in short order, right? Uh, but it needs to be it needs to be focused. It needs to be intentional. It can't just happen on accident, like it did for me or it did for you or or somebody else, right? <clears throat> Does that make sense? So the you know you can't you can't have and I've already seen this happen with some some younger coaches. We all go through this phase where you know you, you have a thing and you get excited about it and it's the thing you know it's the greatest thing ever. Starting strength has changed my life. All this shit, and then and then you're doing it for a while and then you start uh, 
going in different directions. You're like, oh, that looks interesting. And you start doing this. You're like, oh, that looks interesting. And you try all these different programs. You try all these different ideas. You try all these things. Um, and then it takes a while, depending on how bad you fuck up, you always come back to the basic principles. You always come back to the, the simplified things. Um, and you realize that, okay, this is far more than just three sets of five and five pounds at a time. You know, it's, it's far more than five exercises. Uh, there's more to it than this. So, um, that in, in my head right now, like how do we, how do we get people through that, that little, uh, chasing squirrels phase much, much quicker so that you don't have somebody, you know, programming a bunch of RPE and shit inside of a gym because they're just bored. They're bored with, with programming basic barbell training, you know, uh, or they were convinced by some bullshit <clears throat> article that's purely based on theory. Oh, sure. Yeah. Or, or they're, or they're experimenting with something in their own programming. So all of a sudden all their members start experimenting as well, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so. happened to me when I was coaching an affiliate, you know, I was uh, program hopping and, um, was, was, uh, the program made sense in my mind and it was actually from sure. an SSE at the time. And so I started having other right. members do it and then found out very quickly that, not only did it not align with our principles, but it didn't fucking work. Um, I was getting yep. beat up and not making progress, and then I was doing the same thing to my to my members. So yeah, that's a that is the goal. And and as you've been saying a lot lately, lately I really like uh, the way you've been thinking about this. Is the SSC is a job requirement essentially? It's no, it's right. it's. It used to be this uh, this special thing, and it was the only way you could access starting strength, and there were very few people, and it still is going to be a very special thing because we're head and shoulders above everybody else in the industry, but it's our standard. It's our standard. Right. So it's a, it's a job right. prerequisite. And the SSC doesn't mean that you know how to handle someone that has a back tweak. The SSC doesn't mean that you know how to handle a gal who's 40 and uh, gained a little bit of weight even though her waist shrunk, like we discussed on this morning's gym ops call. The SSC right. doesn't mean that you're able to handle um, a shitty harassing member, which we just dealt with at, at one of the gyms um, in, a, in a place I won't mention. Um, so it's, it's really good that, that you're thinking about it this way because there's the, the technical skill and the SSC essentially just certifies that you have a baseline technical skill. Right, like you can you can coach right. this stuff on the platform under pressure and do it pretty well. And it actually it actually only tests that you were able to do it on the day of the seminar, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So um, it's a high standard, but it's actually not that high of a standard. It's a it, right. it just everything's relative. So there's a lot more to it than being able to do that on the day of, and then being able to to pass the oral board. So I I think you're spot on, and I'm glad you're leading this with Andrew Lewis to make sure that everybody can benefit from all the experience from you guys, and and uh, it'll be integrated into our systems and processes. Dude, I wanted to um, go back to what you said about the things you're obsessed with and how you, uh, how you love just kind of going nuts and learning all the details because, yeah, I mean, when, when you and I first met, I, uh, I, and actually when I met Rip too, I just assume for everybody that everyone has their thing and everybody else and everything else uh, that they, they know about probably is not at that level, which is a huge mistake with you guys. Don't ever think that way about the guys at the <laughs> Azure Company. And this is probably why all these fuckers on YouTube tell you to stay in your lane. Stay in your lane, right, um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't realize Rip had a seriously, um, from my point of view, an advanced understanding of economics, for example, and a very right. sharp business mind. Um, 
and uh, is a geologist, and uh, you know, he he could. I, I'd rather ask him questions than any doctor I've ever met when it comes to my health. You know, as far as his understanding and background. Um, Steph's the same way, and just you name it in, in the amount of things that she knows. So uh, I want to ask you about your hobbies because it's interesting to me because a lot of our hobbies overlap. So what are those? What are those five right. or six things that you're obsessed with? Yeah, it's kind of tough. I mean, I, I, there's five or six things I can point to. You know, the uh, the, the lifting stuff has been uh, a part of my life since high school. You know, I started lifting um, f- for football. Uh, just just to get better at football my freshman year of high school so i went to uh, did my freshman year of, of high school football and then as soon as the season was over the coaches were like hey uh you know you want to get good at this stuff you got to lift we lift you know every day after school whatever so i started that and it immediately realized that uh this is a thing that i you, you get out of it what you put into it so for like a 12 13 year old kid um, I think that was a huge lesson for me to to realize that uh, that I had control over progress, you know, in some area of my life. So that was that was a huge thing, you know. And through high school, it was it was football, it was lifting, um, and uh, and it was playing guitar. You know, that that was probably the first thing that I was I was kind of obsessed with. Uh, I had a guitar in my hands all the time. We didn't have. Uh, phones, you know, we didn't have the internet back then. So I was watching TV and I was playing a guitar. I was, you know, going somewhere. I had a guitar with me. So that was, uh, <clears throat> that was huge. You know, I spent most of my high school years doing that kind of stuff. Um, I don't want to divert then, the conversation too much, but just really quickly, the, give me your, your heaviest song off the top, off the top of your head. Cause you and I both love heavy music and guitar riffs. My heaviest song. God, man, I hate questions like this. Um, <laughs> like, like the favorite rips favorite. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, I could, uh, open up Spotify real quick and see what the last song I played. Um, every, and here's the thing. Like I'm, I'm like one of these guys that stunted in, in high school and early college. Right. Because I, I don't, like, I was telling you this the other day, I don't have any idea what any new music is. So I was like, you know, give me some some new shit because I'm just listening to the same stuff I've been listening to for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like I still listen to a, a lot of Zayo and Hell Norma yeah. Jean. Hell yeah. Uh, these bands that I listened to when I was in high school, right? They um, don't make music like that anymore, so no choice. Maybe they do, but I don't mm. know about it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're not too tuned into pop pop culture or subcultures anymore? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> All right, I cut you off um, there. Sorry. So you're saying after after high right. school, lifting, football, guitar, lifting, football, and then yeah, it, when I went to college, you know, in college I just fucked around a bunch. But uh, in my early twenties, I uh, I started doing martial arts mm-hmm. uh, in Muay Thai. So I, I did Muay Thai and then started doing uh, submission grappling at the same time with the same same crew of guys. So every Saturday we would we would uh, we would grapple. <clears throat> And this was this was the early days. I mean, not in terms of like when the UFC and stuff started, but this would this would have been early two thousands. Uh, I didn't even know what the UFC was. I had no idea, you know. Uh, so anyway, that was that became that became my thing. You know, I was training as often as I could. Um, I started. Uh, I guess let me back up. I, in high school, I was I, I, I coached a lot, so I coached the younger guys. Um, I always had training partners and I was kind of the people, the guy that people would ask questions to all the time. So I would say that's probably where my kind of coaching stuff came in. I was, I was liked teaching and coaching 
as long as I can remember. And then when I got into, into Muay Thai, you know, immediately kind of jumped into, into some coaching stuff there. And uh, I started training security people. And this is like, I'm 22, 23 at the time. And I would go, I would go to bars and teach people uh, how to secure their bars, um, how to not, how to not get sued because bouncers, you know, your typical bouncer just wants to fight everybody. Um, so, you know, at, at a pretty young age, I had a pretty, pretty honed idea of uh, customer service, you know, as silly as it sounds, but customer service in terms of like security at a, at a bar, uh, downtown. <clears throat> um, so I, I, man, I, I, uh, I rearranged my whole life to, to train a, a, a bunch. You know, I, I like lived at home with my parents just so I didn't have to make a lot of money so I could go train. Um, and, uh, just trained all the time. And then, stuff happened around Oh five or so. And I, uh, I stopped working out training with the, with the crew of people that I was working out with. And then I found uh Krav Maga in Oh five met an Israeli dude who was in St. Louis and uh, became good friends with him. And then again, that was like my next obsession was this kind of the self-defense world, how to, and the, the, the thing there was, um, doing, doing that, doing Krav Maga was how I taught, how I learned, how to coach normal people because Krav Maga was just exploding at the time. It was huge. And, uh, and you would get, you would get normal folks walking in the door, you know, in my, in my, nobody knew what Muay Thai was. A lot of people still don't know what Muay Thai is, um, unless you're on the coast somewhere. Right. But in St. Louis, Missouri, nobody has any idea. Um, probably not anymore since, you know, UFC, everybody, everybody hears about Muay Thai all the time. But at the time there was like eight, 10 of us who would, who would train. Um, and that was it, you know, and, and, um, you wouldn't get just a normal person walking in and wanting to kick each other and wanting to get kicked in the legs as hard as they could, uh, just for fun. Right. Uh, so, uh, with, with Krav Maga, it's like, okay. And the, and the self-defense we were teaching, I was teaching before Krav Maga was, um, you know, it, it was again, just kind of very narrow focused young people doing security type stuff. It was all, it was all pretty shitty anyway, you know, mm. uh, it wasn't any. But uh, anyway, with Krav Maga, all of a sudden I have access to to normal people, you know, and, and I'm, I'm started teaching very soon, very early on there. I trained for about three months and then I went and did, did instructor stuff in L.A., got certified and then I was teaching classes. So I was teaching 20, 30 people a night um, and training probably 20 hours a week, um, if, if not more. So um, <clears throat> I, again, rearranged my life. So I found it. I got a job at the airport uh, working security. And I would work from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. And then I'd get home and go, go right to sleep. Um, sleep from, you know, 7.30 to about 3.30, get up, take a shower, get ready, uh, pack all my shit for the, for the day and for work. And I would go to the school, to the Krav Maga school, and we would spar from 4 to, from about 4.30 to 5.30. Um, so all the instructors and a couple of other students, we would, we would spar and, and we were all into actual fighting. Like we weren't, uh, we were, you know, everybody says this, but we were no shit actually fighting. Like we were boxing, we had a boxing coach. Um, we would, we would do, it wasn't uh, choreography. We were, yeah, we were a boss rooting MMA school. Uh, so we did boss rooting's program. You learned and, how to uh, smash a liver spar. in other words. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Liver shots, man. Yeah. Uh, so we, we sparred and then we, uh, we rolled every day before class, and then, uh, and then I would teach from, you know, six to, to six to nine every night. 
Um, and that was, that was six days a week. And then eventually seven days a week, we added Sunday classes too. So I was teaching all the time. Um, and that's, that's where I really learned how to coach. Um, you know, I saw people for the first time that, you know, you would tell them to move their right hand and they would wiggle their left foot. Uh, just had no idea of anything. And I got really good at, uh, at teaching, uh, people how to move. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, that's when I became really interested in, in coaching coaches. So uh, eventually I kind of became the, the coach uh, development guy and I would, I would send people the courses and they would all do great. Um, and, and that kind of elevated my knowledge of everything. And then I started realizing that what I was teaching wasn't very good and, uh, and kind of got into, uh, into more serious self-defense stuff, you know, like putting on helmets and test and, testing all this stuff that we had been we had been teaching yeah by the way just to Pretty pause cool. you for a sec uh rip isn't a very complimentary guy would you agree with that statement uh he does it in his in his own way yeah. i mean he's not going to go out and you know you know yeah I mean, let's just say let's just say compared to other people you know he's probably on the lower end of the scale when it comes to being generous with compliments is that a fair statement Maybe. Yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> not in the traditional way. Like yeah. he's not going to call you and be like, Ray, really appreciate how you blah, 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 blah. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Right. Uh, however, he did call you one of the best coaches in the world on a podcast, which uh, I think my mouth might've fallen agape when I heard him say that, that, that that's a serious fucking compliment. Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think he's right. I don't know if it was just for, I don't know if it was just for the convenience of the podcast or what, but <laughs> No, seriously, that's a that's a huge compliment. Yeah, it's a huge compliment because he's uh, he's a he's a wizard of a coach. I mean, I've right. seen yep. him, I've seen him in his office where I thought he was looking at his screen and fixing someone's squat who's on a platform a hundred feet from where he's sitting. He's not even paying attention. It's just yep. uh, he just has a sixth a sixth sense for this stuff. So you're right. I mean, all this experience and, and uh, dealing with normal people and putting all this stuff together and always evolving has, has clearly paid off. You are a phenomenal yep. coach, and you've helped me develop as a coach, and you're helping the whole organization develop as a coach. So thanks for Thank that. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, this is uh, this is getting kind of long, but uh, anyway, the the the, the Krav thing really uh, went into into a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. So you know, along with that, fitness and teaching con conditioning classes. And looking for a looking for a way to uh, to make those conditioning classes better, uh, I, I realized that the the conditioning that we were doing, like flipping tires and slosh pipes and kettlebells and throwing shit around, wasn't really making anybody much uh, much better. You know, it was just making everybody tired quicker. So, uh, you know, life happened, and I moved around a bit. Um, during this time, I kind of started taking pictures too. I'd always been interested in taking pictures and how, um, how, you know, cameras and stuff like that. So, um, I remember buying, uh, early, like 08 or so 07, I remember buying a, uh, a, a, what I thought was a good camera at the time and then just started taking pictures and then took a photography course online too, um, at that time. Um, uh, and then ever guy? since then, is that the link you sent me? Oh no no! This was through a community college. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And and that was great. that was a great class. Um, it was it was really really good. I didn't I didn't perform worth a shit, but I learned a lot, and then that kind of set me up to 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 figure up figure things out uh, going forward. So, um, so I, I would I would take pictures, you know, during classes and stuff, and uh, 
um, take videos and stuff. And they weren't very good, but you know, I, I, I kind of always, I had a camera with me a lot at the time. Um, <clears throat> Still do, but anyway, you travel with a giant case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the shit just gets heavier and more expensive. And um, if you ever see Nick, you... he loves it when people go up to him and say, "Hey, you're, you've got a nice camera. Can you snap a photo?" So just feel free to. <laughs> he's happy just to do stuff for free. So just ask him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have Nick take it. He's got the good camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but everybody who's got to spend any time taking taking photos has heard that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Anyway, the. The, the whole reason I'm here is from is from working with people through self-defense stuff. Um, you know, so I, I was looking for certification. I got heavily into CrossFit when we lived in Columbus. Um, you know, that was I, I became pretty obsessed with that because I thought it was it was great. Um, it, you know, it kind of reintroduced me to barbells, to barbell training in, in some way. Um, and I spent a lot of time just trying to figure it out. And, and one of the reasons, and, and being young at the time, I thought because it was it was complicated that it was the answer. And uh, and I don't consider myself to be uh, uh, like stupid, um, but it made me feel stupid. I was like, I really don't understand this. And I would read everything that I could. Um, I remember reading an article. Uh, I don't I don't free, I'd probably by Greg Glassman, and uh, and it explained CrossFit and it explained programming. And I read it and I was like, I don't understand this. Uh, I got to I got to learn more till I can understand it. Um, and I look at that article now, like if I were to read it now, I was like, this is fucking gibberish. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't understand it yep. any sense. Um, it's the it's the postmodernism of the fitness world. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Really, really good ideas at the beginning. And uh, and I think at the I think it could have been really well executed. Uh, um, and I think, you know, even if you ask Rip, he probably agree with me on this. It, it could have it could have done a lot. of, And it did do a lot of good, like, mm-hmm. in, you know, oh, eight. Um, and, and before that, you know, there was a lot of good stuff coming from there. Uh, so I got I got obsessed again with uh, with nutrition stuff. You know, I read all the all the uh, the Rob Wolf stuff, all the zone diet stuff, anything that was that was peripheral to CrossFit. I got, I got really heavily into and, uh, and then found uh, rip stuff, you know, through, through the CrossFit journal and stuff like that. And then, um, and then I remember watching the first couple of videos and I was like, well, shit, here's a guy who's actually explaining things clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, finally, mm-hmm. uh, it makes a lot of sense. And then, and then you start going down that rabbit hole, so to speak. And then it's like, all right, yeah, you know, all this shit makes way more sense. So when it came time to do a, <clears throat> I was looking for some kind of a fitness certification and, uh, and starting strength seemed like the, the best one, the hardest one, the one that made the most sense. So, mm-hmm. uh, I started, started going heavy into, into starting strength, started training all anybody I was working with, um, starting strength and spending lots of time on the forums and reading everything I could. Um, what year did you get your SSC? 11, 2011. 11. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I was seven. And I started I started getting into it in like maybe 09 or so. I think Kathy and I, you know, Kathy was my first client obviously. Your wife. Uh, we started yeah, we started in Columbus uh doing the program. I was doing it in my Vibram five fingers at the time. Um And now if someone you know, walked into one of the gyms with Vibram five fingers, you'd you'd probably recommend uh against hiring them. <laughs> right, right. And they, and and they don't understand that I've been there. Like that I understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, but you're just 10 years behind, man, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It would have been okay ten years ago, but not not today, not in twenty twenty two. There's enough information out there that you, wearing those fucking toe shoes is not the deal. You should know better. Yeah, yeah you should know better. Um, so, yeah, so we started in Columbus and then uh, uh, did the program and stuff, and then um, 
and then started coaching people. And then I went to a, a camp in Kansas City. We had moved back to St. Louis by now, but I went to a camp in Kansas City uh, by uh, Damon Wells was running it. Uh, starting strength coach from back in the day. And then I realized that I had been doing and teaching everything completely ass wrong. So um, I left, I left from that. And that was probably a year before I did the, uh, the seminar and then immediately started implementing all the corrections and stuff. And then uh, um, went and did the, the seminar and passed. And uh, yeah, that was that. And then I got into, you know, the logistics stuff, but um, uh, just continued teaching self-defense, continued coaching, lifting, and um, the the photography stuff had always been um, in the background. So I'd always been doing, taking pictures, you know, whenever I could, you know, upgrading cameras and stuff. Um, but that really accelerated when I got to, uh, got here, you know, I mean, now I, I, I had to take pictures. I wanted to take pictures. I, I, don't, I don't want to say had to, I wanted to take more pictures. So um, there's a big gaping hole uh, there. So I, I started doing it and got better and better and better at it. Um, by the way, the, the I hired big... a, I hired a photography coach. I think I told you this somebody, cause this is, I mean, starting strength taught me essentially that if you want to learn something, go to someone that, uh, learned it themselves, has, uh, some expertise, hopefully a model, and then knows enough about it to where they can teach you and accelerate your own learning. So I do this in any domain in my life, um, it, whenever possible. And I have a photography coach and, uh, I showed you the photos that he and I did together. And then you found a bunch of errors and had me fix those too, while you were, you know, in the passenger seat of your car with your wife driving on your laptop, uh, connected to your phone for the internet. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's cool how, how, how much how, the level of skill that you acquire in these different domains that you, that you learn. Um, thanks. Yeah. And, and did you, yeah. did you, are you going to cover shooting? Cause I want to talk about your, uh, what you just accomplished in shooting as well. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. So, you know, I, I would say first and foremost with anything I do is uh, I'm always interested in, in coaching and teaching it. So two things I always think about any just naturally, you know, it's not intentional, but anytime I, I get into something, it's like, how do I make money off of this and how do I teach it to other people? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, and that's kind of where my life is, has ended up at this point, which is great. Right. Um, but the other big one is is shooting. So uh, again, as a result of being a self-defense instructor, people will ask you about firearms. And, I, and I've owned a gun since I was 21. I've owned a, a handgun since I was 21 um, when I could legally own one. And I've been carrying a handgun since I was 23 when I could legally carry one um, concealed. So, uh, but people nat just naturally ask you questions about fitness and they ask you questions about firearms. So, um, you know, always, always have always been self-taught. Um, and then uh, taken, I've taken various classes here and there. Uh, but again, this is another one of those things that uh, since since moving here, especially, I've, I've had the f flexibility in my schedule and um, and 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 the interest now in uh, in actually getting re getting really good at something. So uh, so I, I you know go to, I go to the range all the time. Um, I have a coach uh, who I send videos to pretty regularly and uh an online coach and right? yeah yeah uh and then uh yeah that's what that's just one of those things over the last uh uh probably 10 10 years if not if not more that i've uh i've i've spent a lot of time on you know because when people ask me something and i'm not good at it um and it interests me uh i want to i want to get good at it and i want to be good enough that um, I, I understand it enough to be able to teach it to somebody else. So I've been, I've been teaching people how to use a gun just randomly here and there since, since 
you know, for, for a very long time. Um, so it, it's just, it's just been one of the things that I've always, uh, that, that has always been a deal, but I probably, I can say that I've gotten significantly better at shooting over the last, uh, probably three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably the most over the last year or so, yep. just because I've dedicated the time to it, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, what, what was the yeah. name of the, the certification you just got for shooting? That's a, that's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Uh, the range master range, range master. master is what yeah. it's called. Yeah. Tom Givens, uh, organization. Um, I had always heard of Tom and especially getting into, uh, the, the, the world of, of actual good combatives. You know, I've, I've been, I've always, I've always felt, uh, kind of like there's only a few people out there that are actually thinking about self-defense and, and how to teach people how to fight. Um, and I've gravitated to, towards those folks like Ryan Hoover, you know, you, you met and, tra- and trained with. He's great. Um, yeah. And there, but all of a sudden I've, I find this, uh, shiv works, um, shiv works stuff and, and people who, and, and out of that, you know, there's a, there's a community and it's a, it's a fairly large community of people who, um, who, who actually train and who actually think about fighting, uh, and, and how weapons integrate into, into fighting in real life. Right. So, and you, you've met Paul, you've trained with Paul. I've always heard of Paul, but like Paul Sharp, I don't, I don't know the guy. Right. But I, but out of this, 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 uh, uh, combatives kind of community, I've, I've always heard about Paul and I came highly recommended and I, and I told you about him, you went to see him and you, you have good things to say about him, but it's the same kind of deal. Right. So, so I hear about Tom Givens and all these guys that I, that I train with and I respect tell me, you know, that they're range master certified range master TACCON. I keep hearing these words come up. Um, like, well, let me look into this. <clears throat> and I've never been interested in doing any firearms instructor shit. Cause it's all, it, it's all crap. It's not any good. Um, but uh, I've been hearing about about Range Master for a while, and then every time the classes would come up, it would it, I had a conflict, so I, I could never sign, or they sold out, so mm-hmm. I couldn't I, I never got into one. And then uh, yeah, I managed to get into one next last week, and I did the basic and advanced courses, and uh, it was great, it was fantastic. I mean, the stuff stuff that we say in our coaching lecture um, is there word for word. I mean, the same the same things that we say, you know. Uh, uh, observe what the person's doing, evaluate it, compare it to compare, it, essentially compare it to a model and then, and then give feedback. You know, I mean, that's very basic coaching stuff. And when we say it, and when I say it right now, people are like, Oh yeah, fuck yeah, that makes sense. But sure. Okay. It makes sense. But good luck finding a class where, where somebody has thought about it to the level to be able to put those things together and deliver it to you. Right. That just does not happen. Um, and it's obvious once you once you hear it, but that doesn't mean you would have thought of it yourself. That's exactly right. Like the That's entire exactly blue book, right. yeah. for example. Exactly. That's exactly right. Um, so anyway, the, 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 the course was excellent. Tom was excellent. Um, really, really good stuff. And I, uh, yeah, I managed to pass. He's got, he's got high standards. I mean, if you would have told me what the standards were for passing, um, I would have been very skeptical that I was going to get through it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the training was good. I, I came out a better shooter and I came out uh, a, a better coach, too from from doing that so it was really good stuff yeah it must be really cool because your your domain is kind of learning physical skills and then teaching others how to do them um especially when it comes to uh physical yeah physical things but but violent things especially <laughs> right and and yeah. learning all these different skills from all these different domains and then learning how to coach and teach them and then seeing how pros from other domains do things that that must 
that must really help you conceptualize this stuff and then kind of uh, pressure test it in other areas. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming that that just adds to your overall abilities across all the different skills that you have. Is that, is that kind of how things work? I mean, they all seem very complementary, even though the, the disciplines are different. The, there's a lot of uh, thematic overlap. Sure. Yeah. To me, to me, it's all coaching. It, it, it all comes down to coaching for me, regardless of what it is. So, um, I approach even when I'm learning things, I'm approaching it as as the, as the coach. You know, so it's a it's a it's a good thing and a bad thing because it makes it very difficult for me to just consume a piece of instruction and, and be okay with it. Um, so it takes me a while to find something that that I want to spend any time listening to, yeah. or or learning. Right, but uh, at the same time, I think. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe it, it accelerates my learning because I'm I'm thinking about how I would have how how I would teach it to somebody else, mm-hmm. um, you know. And um, it, it's rare it's rare that I will go to a class and be like I couldn't have done this any. This sounds this sounds super shitty, man. But you know, I I, I, I train I train various things all the time. Um, I take, you know, I, I watch, I pay for photography and video courses and I do them. Um, I, I pay for jujitsu seminars and combative seminars and self-defense and shooting seminars. And everyone I go to, it's like, I, I'm thinking to myself, I could do this better, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or could, could I do this better? Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point it's, uh, it's pretty rare that I find one that I'm like, shit, I could not have done that any better. And I've, and I've been lucky over the last year, year or two that I've, uh, kind of found a group of people that, uh, that that I'm like, yeah, I need to pay this guy. Every time he's around, I need to pay him to go learn from him. You know, even if it's the same material, I'm going to go uh, do it again because I'm, I'm learning something both as a practitioner, as a coach, like, you know, guys like Craig Douglas and, um, and Cecil Birch and <clears throat> Tom Givens. Now, you know, these are all guys that I will, I'll pay to do this, but it's all related. You know, the, the photography stuff and the video stuff is kind of a separate skill set. It's a separate deal. Um, but in terms of like the physical stuff, the lifting, um, shooting and the, the fighting stuff, it's all, I see it, I see it as all a a complete picture for anybody who's serious about, uh, protecting themselves. Right. So, uh, hence the lift, shoot, fight, right. That was, that's the whole deal there. It's like, if you, if you, if you're serious about shooting, you got to learn how to lift and you got to learn how to fight. Mm -hmm. If you're serious about fighting got to be able to use a weapon, you got to lift, you know, um, and everybody needs to lift. So it just makes sense that those three things go together. So how did your lift shoot fight event go, by the way? Cause you just did your first one where you get to, I'm not aware of any event, um, not even a Ryan Hoover event. Cause that, that doesn't have the lifting part. I think this is a, a unique right. thing. The lift shoot fight deal. It um, is. Yeah. And you, you had attended so many different training seminars and you've you've been coached by so many different people across so many different disciplines and you were always thinking about how do you make it better or can i do this better did that all come together the way you thought it would were you were you happy with the way that went yeah for the most part i mean i I think it went great i think everybody that showed up really enjoyed it Uh, we got a a lot of good feedback john uh john was john valentine was fantastic um i'm really glad he he came and uh and he ran most of it so i uh i was injured um so i I barely did anything i mean i i I ran the the lifting stuff um for the most part you know i mean rip and and joe lepo were there and they they helped with the coaching stuff um you know uh the um i did a lot of talking a lot of standing but uh you know rip was doing a lot of walking around and uh taking um taking a a huge percentage of that off of me but uh, for the rest of the weekend, I mean, I was pretty much, I mean, I was on a cane and I was trying to sit down as much as possible. So uh, 
any anything that I didn't like about it was because I couldn't be involved to mm -hmm. the to the degree I wanted to, right? So yeah. um, I had to leave it to John to do all of the fighting and all the shooting stuff. Um, you know, and, and he was the the plan was for him to be the lead anyway on on that stuff, but uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was pretty much out of commission the whole thing, but uh, but it, it it was great. And the next one, I mean, we're gonna do one again in the fall, and uh, it, it it'll be even better. Awesome. So. Well, if you get that up yeah. on the website before this episode goes live in a few weeks, we'll uh, we'll link to it in the description. Um, if not, okay. just go to startingstrength.com and keep your eyes peeled for this lift shoot fight number two event in the fall. Um, and and maybe also subscribe to the Starting Strength newsletter to get updates on that stuff. Right. Um, right. Man, yeah. So so lifting, you kind of found the thing. You became an SSC. Martial arts, you dabbled in all kinds of different martial arts. You're a purple belt in jiu-jitsu um, and, and a, a legit purple belt. Because whenever, as I said, I'm very skeptical. And, and even even you, especially when we first got, we're getting to know each other, when someone tells me, that, oh, yeah, I'm this or that, it's like, okay, cool. But from what school and are you any good? And, and legit purple belt um, under who's the uh, – you're under – I'm trying to recall. Machado. Machado purple belt. Um, yeah. And, uh, and you're teaching at that school over there in, in the, uh, metropolitan area of Iowa park. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then yeah, photography and videography, you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't relate necessarily, but it relates in the sense that it's very technical. It's very detailed. There are deep rabbit holes and there are ways that are objectively better to do things versus yep. not. Um, and right. the, the other great thing about those skills is that, this is kind of the, the one of the biggest challenges in business and, and in marketing. Ben, let's take Ben for example. We just talked about this on an episode that he and I did with Jen. He has many products that he's built. One of them, for example, is called Oiled, which you know attaches to your car and helps you stay on top of car maintenance. Really cool product. No one knows about it, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't matter how cool it is. No one knows about it. Um, but with with video, like what we're doing right now, you can tell stories and you can. Uh, you right, know, you can capture the essence of what you're doing and show others how attractive and how useful it is. Um, so they're they're complementary in that sense. And then the shooting stuff, yeah. I mean, uh, I didn't know what to expect when you and I first went to the range, but fuck, man, you can. I'm I'm not a great shooter, but you can you can run circles around me. <laughs> um, and I, I learned some stuff from you. I got to put some more rounds through the through the Glock to, to learn how to use that new optic and stuff you recommended. Um, right. Which, by the way, that's one of the things I enjoy most about our friendship is that uh, I really like gear. And every time I get into something, I ask you for gear advice. <laughs> and then, although you make me significantly poorer, um, I have lots of cool gear like this camera I'm looking at right well, now. It's funny because that's the thing that pisses me off about our friendship is that you get to do all this stuff that I do and you get to learn it on the best equipment. Um, with a know, coach. Yeah. With someone just yeah, – I, I get to just skip all the – you know all the pain you in the ass stuff. The yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> you never have to. You never have to take a picture with a point and shoot camera and hope for the best results. Man, yeah. ten, 10 plus years ago, Ben and I were sitting in Asia on some, you know, maybe in Bali or something, and uh, and I was like, man, I wish it was easier to take great photos because we're doing some pretty awesome stuff that I'd like to capture. And we we're talking about the pros and cons of a DSLR, and I was like, I'm just gonna wait. You know, at the moment, this yeah. BlackBerry's got a two megapixel camera, but there's going to be a time right, right. when you have a DSLR integrated into your damn phone. And I've been waiting yeah. for that day. And the day came where it was pretty close. The iPhone 13 Pro, this thing is pretty fantastic. And that Denise video I it's mentioned, great. for example, um, that I recorded at Starting Street Boise was on an iPhone 13 Pro. And uh, right. I don't know, I did, I did iPhone 13 Pro shooting for 
maybe six months. And then just as, 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 uh, as you'd expect, I'm like, okay, cool. Now we got to step it up. What's the next level? Um, because right. you see the, you see the, the phone is fantastic and it's, it's definitely good enough. It's even better than good enough. But, um, if you want to do truly professional stuff, then you need this a seven four with this sweet ass lens and these four lights and, um, the sweet right. mic and, you know, uh, <laughs> we just, we just want to, we want to make everything if, if it can be made better and it's not uh, ridiculously expensive or time consuming, why not make it better? You know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 The thing is, um, you know, everybody overestimates their, their abilities, even though they, like we said at the beginning, you know, most people are good at one or two things and they pretty much suck at everything else. And the, the, even, and especially men, right. Women don't have suffer from this problem, but men way overestimate their abilities in all things, especially physical things. Um, you know, so that's, uh, that's one of the things that's always in my head. If I'm going to, if I'm going to do something and it's important to me, um, I, uh, I, I, I think I hold myself to a pretty high standard, you know? Um, and I think, uh, that's why, um, uh, th that's where the kind of the, the quote unquote obsession part comes into it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I really, uh, genuinely want to, want to kind of be good at stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's been humbling for me for sure. I, I definitely fall into the category of, uh, overconfident let's fucking go we'll figure it out as we go kind of thing and uh i think the biggest splash of cold water was when i first started sparring in muay thai yep and i'm like oh fuck i've been training muay thai for a long time i don't know how to fight that was right a, that was a rude right. awakening yep. <laughs> very valuable yep. and then hanging out with you guys uh you know because as as a as an executive you should your your breadth needs to be massive you need to be able to have a conversation with anyone in the organization about anything they're working on and at least be able to understand and, and, uh, and go back and forth. And you don't need an Elon Musk it, right? Where he, he knows every, he knows the stuff better than any domain expert. So, you, so what that means for most people is that your depth is kind of shallow. So you're kind of, right. you're kind of, um, you're compromising, you're, you're changing breadth. You're changing depth for breadth essentially. Right. Yeah. And you fuckers are the first people I've met where it's like the breadth is huge and the depth is also deep and it's, it's cool. It's really cool. And it makes, it makes me want to get better at lots of different stuff. And then I get frustrated because I'm answering emails and slacks all day. Hence the goal of <laughs> two hours on a screen because we're doing different stuff on the computer, man. You know, uh, yeah, uh, it'd be cool if I could learn video editing and do, uh, I, I'm not sure what you spend most of your time on, but, um, I'm just in my damn inbox. I'm not either, and, man. And I'm not sure either. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, shit i mean if i were to do an like an like if someone were to ask me tell me how you spend it fuck i don't know yeah. i don't know i don't know where the time goes you know it's just it's it's crazy yeah um but you know one of the if, if we, i guess we could leave everybody with something useful you know if you if you care about something um don't don't be the best at it you know if you're if you're the best at and what i mean by that is surround yourself with people who are who are better than you at stuff because it's uh it's very easy to uh to stroke your own ego and be comfortable, uh, being the, the, the top dog at something. So, uh, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is. So you, you, you know, if it, hanging out with, uh, with Rip and Steph on a lot of things, um, I'm way fucking behind way fucking. And that's, that's a really good place to be. Right. Because you can, you, uh, um, you, you only have, the only option is to, is to catch up. Right. Um, I approach a lot of things like that, you know, so, um, yeah surround yourself with people who are who are uh 
better at stuff than you. Um, it's when, very important. I totally agree. And uh, that also applies to friend groups. The whole, yep. you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. And right. At a certain point, you really can't have friends outside of those that you work with. That's where I'm at in life. So you better work with yep. high quality people. Otherwise, you're, right. you're not going to progress. And whenever Rip schools me on something that I that I uh, objectively should should know, well, in, based on our positions, I should know more than he does about it. But he knows more than me. I just try to <laughs> yeah. uh, I just try to comfort myself <laughs> by saying, um, life is an accumulation of skills and experience. It's a linear progression to an extent. So you're you know, and if you're and if you're bright, and you work hard, the the pace of your acceleration increases. And if you maintain that pace. Over the course of a lifetime, you just have a gigantic catalog of of, uh, of knowledge and things that you're great at. Right. And so I just comfort right. myself by saying, Rip's in his mid-60s, and I'm still a, a snot-nosed kid, I think is what he would call me. So I'll, I'll, I'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got almost 30 more years, so I'll, I'll learn. But um, it's, it's humbling, and it's, it's, uh, it's also inspiring. And it's, it's, good to know that, um, it's good to know that I don't have to solve all the problems myself. And that, yep. that's actually the most comforting thing about the job now, based on the people we have in place, between you, Ben, Jen, Rip, Steph, the extended team. I'm now in a position where um, I just have to ask the right questions. I don't really have right. to have any of the right answers because uh, my whole approach to this thing is um, speaking of breadth and depth, so let's take Jim OS. You know, I, I wrote the first Jim OS, and it was you know ninety pages, and it had a lot of good stuff in it. And now you own Jim OS, and now you've expanded it and improved it, and iterated upon it. And um, that's how this thing came about. Essentially, this whole this whole deal, right. this franchise company started with you and I having a conversation over Thai food next to Paul Horn's gym in LA one day. Yep. And, uh, and then from there, it was just, like we said, at the beginning of the podcast, just do whatever needs to be done, try to make it better. Right. And then for me, it's put in put in people that are better at they're a domain expert, more so than I am, and they can do a better job than I can. And if I can do that across the entire organization, we're going to have what well, we do have a very well oiled machine. And, and as you said, now it's now that the machine is built, it's just about optimizing. So, yep. 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 You've got to run to jujitsu, man. Anything else uh, you want to mention before we close? No. Cool. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude. Good talking to you. Um, it'll be good to hang out with you next week, by the way. Nick's coming to town. We're going to talk to John Conti about how we can step up our, our video content because uh, Conti is a phenomenal cinematographer, probably the best in Idaho. And uh, he met me, Ben, Jen, we went on a hike last week and uh, he's one of us. This guy is a savage. He has an insane nice. work ethic. He does, not, he does not settle for anything but perfect. He spends one hour per minute on average when he makes a video, for example. Um, so getting you and him in a room and talking about how we can make this YouTube channel just this giant megaphone that shows how how much of an impact we're having on people's lives in a more compelling way. Like I said before, we've the product is built, and now it's a matter of just sharing it with the world. And uh, we have this great yep. platform where we can do it. So I'm excited to see you, man. Me too. All right, buddy. Thanks for the time. All right. Later. See you guys.